Jupiter, he really enjoys using going through the nine steps, and he enjoys using the music app. Yes. Can you just share a little bit about what you've seen with him enjoying the tutoring and also enjoying to read now? Yeah, that is that still uh, it kind of just takes my breath away, and is so almost shocking to me when I catch him just reading casually. Um, when you have a child who you know, couldn't memorize his letters, you know, going on a couple years working on that to reading four or five letter words, spelling, spelling difficult and challenging words that I think are even above his level. It's just, it still catches me off guard. And it's so, um, it's so amazing and fulfilling to see that. And I could see how, like you mentioned, how proud he is of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, I think we both felt very kind of hopeless because we didn't know what was wrong. We didn't know, you know, why these things weren't sticking. And so, yeah, it's, he, he actually um, enjoys reading and he's actually, I mean, for how much he's had to catch up, he's actually really good. So today I have a very special guest. Her name is Mary Reed, and she is a gal um, understanding of how to sound and say words before she realized that another large organization has a component of this as part of their big package. I was real. Um, I was excited to meet Mary Reed. She has two adult sons with dyslexia, and you know she's a homemaker who just has a heart to help her own children, had a heart to help her own children read. And she had some great ideas and they're very popular ideas. Uh, She may not have been the one to market them, to get the fame for them, but you'll recognize some of what she's doing. And I'm going to have her come to the stage right now. Come on on, Mary. I'll introduce you to our audience. Great to have you today. So this is Mary. Would you tell the audience just, you know, a little bit about yourself before we get into our discussion about what you developed? Well, um, at the time, I was a homemaker. Uh, I have a degree in social science and uh, secondary education. Um, I am a dyslexic. I grew up when... You were basically told you're lazy, and I struggled. I was fifth grade before literally God opened the door for me to be able to read. It it was literally a door, and when I started reading, uh, there was no turning back. I, I, I have always had this love affair with language, with the sound of it, with the meaning of words. And so I was I I think I was considered rather precocious because huh. as I was young, I, I loved the big words. The bigger the better and the more meaning and the more color the words had, the more I liked it. What made it open up for you in fifth grade though? 
it was it was just it was like a door opened and you're like it was a miracle <laughs> it was no, really it literally was <laughs> i believe in miracles <laughs> <laughs> i'm a great believer in miracles um I I don't, there was not any one thing that, that opened that door. I don't believe, um, I had one teacher that said, oh, you did a good job on that. And I do remember because I didn't get that really often, uh, Uh, but something happened in the fifth grade between the fifth and the sixth grade that summer, I started picking up books and reading and, getting involved I wanted to read I desperately wanted to read and bless my poor mother's heart she would tell me now Mary just sound it out <laughs> well I, I <laughs> it made no sense yeah sound it out how do I put these sounds together to make a word and it, it was such a struggle. Tell me about your how you what your self esteem was like as you were in first, second, and third, and fourth grade. It was awful. I went to be, I went to bed at night crying most nights. It was it, there was this expectation, and I can remember hearing a teacher tell my dad. We really don't understand because she seems to be very, very smart. She sees things that others don't see. She catches on to things that others don't catch on to. Something. But why yeah. can't she read? Okay. She's just being lazy. Ah. And it it wasn't for lack of desire, but it was... It was a very stressful time period. And those are the things we hear. You know, when I, when I talk to adults, parents to who are the dyslexic children, because they don't really know sometimes. And I tell them, if you have a child who is great to carry on in conversation, seems very creative, very bright, but when they start to write, they, they're scribbling and you can't, they can't spell words properly. And when they try to read, they'll read memorized words, but give them words they haven't memorized. They cannot sound words out. Those are the red flags that parents have to be aware of. You know, we show that we talk about the statistics that if kids aren't reading at grade level by fourth grade, they're at risk of dropping out of high school and going to prison and getting into crime and trying to get attention other ways. So by fourth grade, that means they are reading successfully at third grade level, ready for fourth grade. Uh-huh. And um, I'm so glad that you got it in fifth grade because already you were you were one of the statistics of not reading at fourth right. grade. Uh, it, to me, it has been a miracle all that that I ever was able to sit down and I can read pretty much what I want to read now. Um, I do have some limit areas, um, which sounds really stupid, but I actually like political philosophy and I I have trouble reading it. 
So I do use books on tape. I was going to ask that. Okay. Um, I, I find that books on tape frees me to not feel hemmed in by things I can't read. Um, good, good. And, and we've had an argument about this in, in our household because um, I have two boys who are dyslexic, which I think is, is another funny, it's, it's another of God's miracles and, and jokes to, to me sometimes. Both of our boys are adopted. And so oh, isn't that something? Okay. And, but they both have dyslexia. And uh, so we say we're the normal ones in the household. My husband does not have dyslexia. So it's been a real learning and trial thing for him. Yes. Because I'm telling him, no, read to the child. Don't force him to read back to you. Um, reading aloud is like, it's a minefield. I still feel the minefield about reading aloud. Which basically you're mean, you're feeling it's very scary. It's a very it scary is. when people, well, you're being very brave to be on this YouTube also, because usually dyslexic adults are very, very shy. And I'll often have people cancel because they're so shy. So I'm very proud of you for doing this for your audience. <laughs> well, let, let me explain it this way. A very long time ago, um, I was in the hallway of Lawton High School in Lawton, Oklahoma. I was in high school and I was really struggling with dealing with people. And it was like the Lord just said, okay, you can either start dealing with people and putting yourself out there. And even though you're uncomfortable, Good. you can do this and get over this fear and make it in the future. Or you will handicap yourself in the future. And that was that threw me back. Um, the lady that taught me to sew was my dad's cousin, and she was very, very crippled. And she sewed for the wealthiest people in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. And she was amazing. Well, and but just she, for, the, for the audience to know what you're sewing now are homecoming dresses. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> you're yep. still working with those school kids. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, but she put me in front of a mirror and she told me, she said, you see that little girl there? <laughs> she is the only one that can handicap herself. She always realized that there was a problem. And in so doing, she reached out to me. She taught me a skill. She, she loved on me. She realized that mm, there was some things not going quite right. She talked to my dad about it, but my dad didn't understand. And she didn't know how to explain what dyslexia was. She didn't have a good grasp. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I had even told people, if I get real stressed, the words fall off the page. And, and nobody picked up on any of my cues. So it, it was very hard back then. So now I want people to know, if you hear a child saying this, this is a cue for you to step in and say, look, uh, we, we've got to look closer. We've got to look deeper. Um, there's something not right. And quit saying the child is lazy. Quit putting he or she to bed at night crying. It's, yeah. it's not good. Well, one of the things I wanted to have the audience listen to is some of the things we create that we see work. One of the things I've been doing, I developed a reading program and a music app that work together to help dyslexic children read about a year's gain in only 50 hours or 50 sessions, which is tremendous. And I just finished 200 hours of Orton Gillingham training. And I have a level two to my program. And I am incorporating more focus on vowel teams and stuff. But one of the things that was always challenging to me is the sound, the, the, the different sounds that the same formation of our lips mm-hmm. makes because one sound is uh, voiced and one sound is not voiced. And this is your expertise. And this is something you developed. And it's more to, to bring, raise awareness for the student. Um, I, I don't see it so much as a requirement, but you saw y- your kids opened up when they learned that about this. So I think that's very interesting and telling mm-hmm. because large organizations have that as a, a big part of their training. And that was part of the Orton Gillingham training. Right. You want to share a little bit about that? Yes. The, the, our oldest child, I thought he was tone deaf. Uh, he, he, he couldn't understand sound. Even just a conversation, he would he would miss words. He, if he made a sentence with four or five words, and this is for a three-year-old, four-year-old. Well, even into early elementary school, he okay. could crunch those four or five words into four <laughs> or five syllables. I mean, it just and then I'd have to drag them apart to figure out what he had said oh. to me. And so I got to thinking about it. And what I decided was he needed a method of being able to understand sound by what his mouth did. And part of why I figured that out was because I had trouble with vowel sounds. And the question became, what do you do to figure out what this sound is? And I got to thinking, well, that what did my mouth do to make that sound? So I began to drag it apart. And at first, it started out on little scraps of paper with 
uh, we have drawing? about five minutes. So go just so you know how to summarize it. Okay, uh, drawing the side of the face with um, a picture with what the tongue was doing and where the teeth were, and so eventually it became a notebook with the forty-four sounds. Beautiful. And we worked with this until he was able to reproduce sounds and then know what each of each of the vowel sounds were. And it, his problem even was with with the consonants. And so there's where we started. And we just build from there. And then I was reading the book, The Teacher Nobody, or The Teacher Who Couldn't Read. And he introduced me to uh, Linda Mood Bell. And I remember the phone call over <laughs> 25 years ago where I told them, I said, look, here's what I'm doing. And they said, you're reinventing our program. I said, oh, good. I'm so tired of reinventing. And eventually, they came to Jackson, Mississippi. And the Board of Education, the State Board of Education, just poo-pooed them and said they didn't want it. And it wasn't any help. And, and now, Mississippi is is opening up to this, but I even got to teach eight years of special education, um, reading disabilities. And it's amazing the doors that open. So how long would you spend with a child um, teaching them this? Do you spend just a couple sessions at a time and then do something else and come back to it? Or do you try to designate like a whole week, which would be four or five sessions to teach these? Because I know they have to be learned. Uh, I usually incorporated it short period of time within whatever else I'm doing, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's it's learning to fill the letters. Um, I use this method. I use the the pictures that I did with children who have more problems. My hold, second... up, hold up one of your pictures. We're going to have to wrap this up, but I do want to have our viewing audience see uh, what you drew because I think it's just lovely. Well, look at this, everybody. There, oh, see I'm going to put this in. I'm going to pin you so they could see that. Okay. Yep, that's exactly what, so we talk about sounds that have vibration with them or called voiced, without vibration, um, they're just voiced or unvoiced. Right. So, yeah. It, it made a difference. I saw where this made a difference. And if a child can't figure it out, I just incorporate that in. And when they, don't I, know, when they don't know the difference, that, that's when they'll put an F instead of a V. Mm-hmm. And they know the V 
you know, if the audience wants to put your hand under your chin and say, you'll feel mm. vibration. And if you want to say, no, no vibration, because the mouth is the same, but one is voiced and one is not voiced. Mm. And I think those little lessons to our kids help. You know, we may have to have you on another day for more information. Let's see oh, if our yeah. audience is interested in this, because this would even be a nice workshop to have for an hour and let parents learn about this. Okay. So we'll see if we get a good response and uh, any final comments, because we do have to close. Just keep working with your kids. And one of the things that I really, really tell parents get them out from in front of the TV and the videos <laughs> and get them moving because the neurology of moving is, I have watched it over the years and that's another area. I've really started studying the neurology of movement and how it affects the brain. That's right. And, and music, music is another and one. music, yes. Yes, it is. It's just amazing what is out there for free that you can, okay. you know, just Sounds put yourself great. to. <laughs> okay, Mary, thank you. I, I wish we didn't have to cut it off, but I actually tutor from my home also. So I'm getting ready for another Zoom meeting. And um, okay. I want to thank the audience for listening. Thank you, Mary, for sharing your life story with us and your, your passion. And if what we have shared has inspired you, would you consider going to my website, dyslexia-solutions.com forward slash donate, make a small donation. I am an author of three different books that talk about using music to help kids with dyslexia. And I'm always donating my books. So that would help cover some of those costs. And also to have our webinars and workshops. We do that all free of charge just to inform parents of how to help your kids. So um, we're going to sign off. I'm Dr. Marianne Cintron, uh, president of Step-by-Step -Step Dyslexia Solutions. And my special guest is Mary Reed. You can, meet, you can reach me at meetmarianne.com made it so easy for you. Let's have a conversation. Okay. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions, Com. And consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Sintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.